Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Buonasera, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who has been undertaking a part-time PhD in what sport should Adama Trail Row play hmm. for the last three years. Nathan, um, what are your findings so far? Uh, he might be the most athletically gifted human being of all time, and he uses it to be pretty good. And when I say pretty good, I do mean within the context of elite football, pretty good uh, elite level football when he could instead be the greatest ever at several other sports instead. Wendy, would you take 38-1-0 wins? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> we, we don't need 38. I've done the maths. We just need 29 more. That's it. Would you take 31-1-0 wins and uh, was it six, seven nil-nil draws? Look, why not? Why not? Why the devil not? I, I, I'll take, I'll take that. Um, let's just get it over and done with. Uh, so much to say about Spurs this week. It's been a very mixed week. Um, to start off with, just a, a shout out to our chaos children on the Discord. It's been a fun week on um, on the Discord, which is one element of our Patreon subscription. So behind um, the paywall, we have this Discord server with multiple channels. One of them is gaming, and we've got a, a big community of. People who are into gaming, um, and they've been playing a lot of Knockout City, which is a dodgeball game, as I understand it. Uh, Rocket League. Nathan, I know you're a keen Rocket League player. Um, and then this week, in particular, they've been getting into GeoGuessr and Scribble. Um, I, I watched in for a bit of GeoGuessr, and oh my goodness, it's like <laughs> yeah, I think I think you need to play it for a while to get into the get into the swing of things. I was uh, I was struggling; it was moving too quickly for me. Uh, and and Scribble is very fun, uh, not so much on a Mac trackpad as I found out last night. <laughs> That's that just was, an excuse to your terrible drawing skills and I mean, I am a ter- I'm a terrible yeah. artist. That's true. I'm a terrible artist. I'm but, a terrible uh, artist, but that's not the skill. The skill is like being able to communicate through yes. your bad mm. drawing, and that that's different. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. To be fair, I'm a good guesser, so I make up yeah, quite not. terrible drawing. <laughs> I get very annoyed so when people draw what I consider to be incorrectly, so <laughs> it really throws me up. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of fun. Uh, and, and also the, the bot that we've got on there can host music quizzes, so there's been a lot of music quizzing as well. Um, so yeah, shout out to the KS children, when they behave themselves, they're a pretty good bunch. Um, also, friend of the pod, Greg Jenner's... Um, podcast you're dead to me is back season four and also his book dead famous is out on paperback or ebook for 99p for august which is a bargain greg is lovely he's very talented please support him by um by buying his book and listening to his podcast um also the the um the track we put at the end of the last podcast went down really well our friend tim's um song from his band big bad so we're going to put another track at the end of this episode um i hope you enjoy that as well let's let's get stuck into spurs lads um i I think we'll start with wolves we'll go away from the chronological order because Mm. i think there's more to say about wolves and then we can can dip into some passus de ferrea close enough sorry for mucking up so badly last time uh wolves first body one nil win what are you thinking? Um, everything that I was concerned about in the Man City win, as great as it was, kind of came to light here. Hmm. That our inability to really control the ball and control games was shown up and our, our susceptibility to a high press was pretty bad. Um, yeah, but it's a 1-0 win. And perhaps I just got my prophecy wrong with my manager. Perhaps... <laughs> The real, the real um, Portuguese mastermind who's going to lead us to the title is is is, is Nuno Espirito Santo. Maybe he's the guy. He's the proper one nil merchant. <laughs> I, I I completely agree with um with what you've just said, but I think we do need to sort of give Nuno a chance. It's it's yeah, it's so early, isn't it? Like we're t- we're we're three games in, but it's two two games really. You know, playing our full strength side. Um, and a lot can change. And and we did see in preseason a different style to what we saw against Wolves. But I I completely share your thoughts, Bardi, that there were some uh, items of concern, shall we mm, say. There's, in, there's some, match. I'm sure Nathan will get more into it, but there, there's certain things which are a bit of a red flag, which I'm not sure how we how we can fix with this current squad. I don't I don't see many more options in that midfield. I mean Delhi is is quite the athlete now. He's turned into he's turned into this wonderful box to box player who's who's great to watch. But yeah, I don't think he gives us that kind of balance in midfield, and and I'm I'm a bit concerned about Hjoiberg as well. But I, I'm fully team skip, and I'm not racist, but I'm fully team skip. Yeah, I guess we'll touch on that as well. That it's all about white supremacy, like people's support and skip. Oh, I see. Let's, let's do it now, then, as, as you brought it up. Jesus, Bardi, you've um, you've thrown me under a bus here. <laughs> no, uh, but let's go. Let's go tactics first, and then come back to okay, come back okay. to worshiping skip and what that means as us as individuals. Okay, no, that's that's fair. Um, uh, so, so what we saw in this game, what we said last week, or what I said last week after the City game was, this was this was Man City. This was not the blueprint for how we'll play the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we'll see a, a completely different style when we play against the team <laughs> where we can uh, have have at least fifty percent of the ball. Uh, and it did not seem to be the case that we we chose to do that. We we played the same style, same blueprint. We chose to have not so much of the ball, and, and I think that clearly was a choice. Um, and what was interesting, actually, Wolves, who under Nuno have been a sort of counter-attacking side uh, who plays a sort of quite a low block, um, suddenly under their new coach, is it Bruno Lager? I want to say it's mm-hmm. Lager. Um, 
they, they they played a high line and they pressed and I was really surprised to see sort of how quickly they changed their um their, their team style. Anyway, we played this narrow four three three once again, um, with Bergvine and Lucas very close to Son. Delhi, Skip and Huey Bear across the midfield once again. Again, really narrow, but the, the outer sort of midfield players are tasked with closing down the fullbacks when they come forward. Um, and, and yeah, we, we defended fairly deep and packed out the penalty area. At one point, I counted eight players in the penalty box. Um, very Mourinho, I would say. Uh, Nathan, how, how are you feeling about the tactics you so far? Do you think this is just the style now or do you think this is Nuno you know, grinding out the results whilst he coaches a new system? Hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes. Obviously, this is this is very early on, and there are players to come back in, and there's adjusting to the system, and there's adaption from both the players and then the coaches, and every other caveat you can possibly imagine. But uh, this this is this is Nuno ball. This is this is kind of what it is. It's it's attritional football. And when it works, it's glorious. <laughs> and when it doesn't work, it's, uh, it's, uh, unglorious, which I guess is any football at all, obviously, to mm-hmm. an extent. But I think that this really takes it to an extreme in terms of like, you're making direct attack after direct attack, right? When you have the ball, and it's kind of what we talked about before under Mourinho, but it's, it's not the exact same. When you have the ball, you accelerate to 100 miles an hour immediately. And when those attacks work, they're brilliant and you love it. And it's the exhilarating football and it's exactly what your DAR wants because everyone's passing forwards, right? Um, but when they don't, when it doesn't come off, um, the opposition get their turn with the ball. And if they want to slowly work it and if they want to put you under pressure and if they want to pin you back, you are giving them the opportunity to at least give them a try at that. And when it's against City, everyone's happy because any counter-attack you get against City is, is a blessing and you're grateful and we won and that <laughs> and that's great. But um, it's it's going to happen like that sometimes. And sometimes we will still dominate. Like what we saw against Passos, right, is we dominated possession... <laughs> We still had a bunch of direct attacks, even though they weren't fruitful. So there's still that middle ground where, like, you're trying things, they're not working off, but you win the ball back pretty quickly anyway, and you cycle it by the back, and then you play it long. And it's still not fruitful, but um, I don't know. Yes, it can get better, but this is very much the blueprint, and, and we will see this at the beginning with Nuno. We will see this at whenever the end is with Nuno, because that is what his football is like. And sometimes you're going to love it, and sometimes you're going to hate it. But again, that's not really any different from any football, I guess. Okay, yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have Windy's some good time, Wendy, and you're going to like yeah. him, and you're going to see some football so that you like. That's the thing, isn't it? He's 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 likeable, so it does it does change things somewhat. It's, it is what everything I feared, though, about Nuno. It's why when we were speaking about new managers back at the start of the summer, Nuno would not have been high up any of our lists. Uh, and I, I think he's a fine manager, and I think he's probably going to improve some of our players along mm-hmm. the way but I also I he's not going to play the style of football I want to see us play he's not going to play the style of football that I think gets the best out of our obviously talented players um, but if he does okay if he punches if he has us punching our weight then we can make top four and um, and that, that'll be just fine so, um, I mean, it's similar to sort of what we've just been saying, but Alec Deprinsky says, how are we feeling about Nuno's substitutions slash tactical tweaks? It worries me that we were obviously playing on the back foot for almost the entire first half, only to come out for the second half with the exact same game plan. Mm-hmm. The subs also did not seem ideal. We were clearly getting overrun in the middle of the park, so we brought on Lo Celso and Kane, which in theory would help, 
but they basically just occupied the same spaces as the players they replaced, with Kane maybe dropping a bit deeper than Son. And to be honest, I would say also Lo Celso dropping a bit deeper than Lucas, which I think made a big difference, if I'm completely frank. I think, you know... You'd... The Celso had a, had an impact in that half, and I would say the yeah. Celso had more of an impact than Kane for me. Um, and I think it was just the fact that he was that you know ten yards deeper than Lucas as a starting position, able to receive the ball, um, and and then progress it and make things happen. Um, Bardi, were you were you worried about the um, the fact that we didn't really change anything in the second half? Oh, I thought maybe the Celso would come on. <sighs> I thought, I thought maybe when Lacelso come on, Ali would move a bit further forward. Uh, I was just a little bit off, maybe take off Bergvine. I was, yeah, he didn't change anything, and that that was a concern because throughout the first half, you could see what um, what Wolves' plan was. I think what what helped us was Traore running out of gas. I think he he was gone <laughs> after 55, 60 minutes, and he had that one one on one opportunity. Other than that, he didn't do much in the second half. So I think that was a that was a blessing. There are positives to be taken from that. I thought Sanchez had a couple of wobbly moments, but him and Dyer seemed to be pretty sturdy. I thought Reguilón had a good game. He made great, a good few interceptions. But I am concerned about our inability to control a match. Mm. Um, I would like to see a little bit more from our midfield. I would like to see them sometimes being a bit braver. I would like to see them just being a bit closer to our to our forward line. Yeah. If this is what we're going to get for the rest of the season, I think there's going to start to be a few complaints because I don't think hmm. we, as we well know, one nil, one nil, one nil is not a sustainable way to win <laughs> to win games and see a season out. Well, the thing is, Mourinho was playing his way behind closed doors, and I think that's that's one thing. But playing that way with a, a full Tottenham Hotspur stadium, I do think changes things significantly. And, and as you say, Bardi, I don't think the fans are going to guzzle that down uh, with without complaint. I, I think there will be some moans and groans along the way. Um, in, in this game, I, I I thought, like you, broadly the defenders did well. Uh, obviously, mm. Dyer had his one little incident, uh, which yeah. was... Let's, let's, not, let's not spend too much time on that. It can, it can happen. It was frustrating, but it can happen. And I thought Sanchez really struggled for the first... 15, 20 minutes with Adama, as did Tanganga. Both of them were just getting ripped to shreds. But then, you know, lots of players will get ripped to shreds by Adama. He's an incredible dribbler. So I'm not going to worry too much about that. Um, yeah, I thought Bergwijn was really good. I thought Bergwijn was really bright, had a really promising second half. Um, that To me, that was the, the one tweak we did make in the second half. So in answer to Alex's question, I, I, I think my issue in the first half was that our front three were not making runs in behind. Uh, and I think that's a real problem if we're going to play this system. It relies on them making regular runs in behind, and you know the midfield players need something to pick out. That wasn't happening. Second half, it happened a lot more. And um, I can think of two occasions straight off the top of my head. One where Hjoibier won the ball on around halfway, and Son straight away was on his bike and he was put through. And it was the one where he tried that little chipped cutback, which he claimed a penalty for. And the other one is where Larice had the ball in his hands and Bergvam just off like a rocket. And Larice picks out this fantastic pass over the top, ends up with a chance being created from a Larice kick, which is uh, something we don't see very often. And yeah, Bergvam really impressive at uh, carrying the ball forward and committing players and making things happen. But the, it wasn't a game that made me think, wow, this is a Spurs team I'm going to enjoy watching this season. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the tactical choices rather than the personnel. I I I still don't know whether it is this tactical choices or is the personnel because this is a, the second manager 
that has done this. And I'm starting to. I'm. St- I've always thought the players. I thought Mourinho used the players' mistakes as a way to get get himself out of a hole on occasion. But I'm still concerned about our players' ability to play a possession-based football. I just. I don't think they can do it. Um, perhaps they can do it against Pacos, but then we were toothless. But then we didn't have the forward line playing. Then against these guys, we had our forward line playing. But I just thought our centre midfield was. You know, it just the least press-resistant midfield I've ever seen. It would have been nice had we had a peak um, Dembele in there or a fit and functioning Endombele in there to see what could happen. But you, you, press, our, you press our midfield and it crumbles. And then you, you get through our crumbling midfield and you're, you're on top of Sanchez and Dyer and they, they're just never going to pass their way out of any kind of trouble. Okay, let's, uh, let's use that comment as a launch pad to, to talk some skip. Hmm. Uh, so uh, Matt D from our Discord server says, assuming he can get consistently fit, I think the Celso in for Skip could really help us get into games better. No no dig at Skip, I just think the Celso offers more in getting out after we win the ball. So at least against weaker sides, I'd like to see the Celso, Deli, Huey Bear as our midfield three. What is your ideal midfield three, assuming Ndombele isn't an option? Does it vary based on the level of opponent? Um, and and the, part, the point that Bardi made earlier um, about white supremacy, a, a bit tongue-in-cheek, is a discussion that came up today. So a couple of um, prominent Spurs tweeters um, have, have come out in the last 24 hours and said they thought Skip was bad in both games so far. Um, and um, and Joel Wertheimer, who was one of them, who I, I, I think is really an excellent follow and someone who I, I, enjoy, I enjoy reading his stuff, um, he kind of mentioned that, that Dan Kilpatrick had kind of, and Alistair Gold had, had overrated Skip in their match ratings. And then um, someone else joined in, I, th- I can't remember who it was now, and sort of mentioned that this is like, this is the privilege you get when you're a young white footballer um, compared to other footballers. And look, I, I think there's something in that. I do think there's something in that. I've seen the way Delhi, the conversation has been around Delhi for the last two years, and I've seen how it's been around the Dombele, and yeah, and yeah, absolutely, I think there's something in it. But uh, I actually thought Skip played okay in this game, and pretty well in the City game after the first 10 minutes. And you know, I, I really rate Joel's opinions on Spurs, and Michael Cayley was was one of the other people who said similar about Skip, and I rate his opinions too. Uh, so I went back and I watched Skip on on Y Scout his highlights from from the Wolves game. Using up my minutes again. Using up your minutes <laughs> again, and it was all good stuff. Like what? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm not seeing that they are about Skip. What I'm seeing is really good screening and covering runs. Um, oh my goodness. One of my main complaints about our midfield over the last two years has been Skip uh, Wink, sorry, and Sissoko absolutely unable and unwilling to track runners, and Skip does it so diligently, so effectively. Uh, when he gets the ball, he's demanding off centre backs. He's taking it in tight spaces. So a lot of the time, he was in the middle of this rhombus of Wolves players. He was still taking it and using himself as a pivot to change the angle of attack uh, to progress the ball. Um, he was. Doubling up on the Dharma when he could, made a couple of really useful um, double ups and screens there. It honestly, like there were a couple of times he got run past. One of them, Dharma was running back towards his own goal and it wasn't an issue. Another, a Dharma kind of goes shoulder to shoulder with him and and Skip forces him into Tanganga's zone in the right back. Um, and there was one more where he got run past where he like a player made a mistake and he had to commit. And I think it was Matinho nutmegged him. And honestly, like these are not things that are worrying to me. And I, I thought Skip had a, a pretty solid game. Uh, my issue, and I think Bardi's already touched on this, is not Skip and not Huibier, but it's the combination of both of them being in the same yes. three-man midfield. 
and I think that is restrictive. I think Huey Bier is not suited to this role he's playing in at the moment. Like he just doesn't progress the ball well enough to play that role to Skip's right. He's too conservative and he's not a quick thinker all the time. Uh, so I think they need to be competing for the central midfield spot. And that I'm fine with that. And then Lacelso comes in alongside and suddenly our midfield is a whole lot better. So that's that's where I am. But I'm interested. I mean, Bud, you've been nodding along. You you like Skip too. I really like Skip. I like the way he gets around the pitch. I like the way he gets his foot in. I like even the way he distributes the ball, his bravery. I think he's been... I, I agree he had a he had a wobbly 10 minutes against City, but then that happens to everybody. I thought against Wolves, he, he covered a lot of ground and did a crucial role. And I do think the balance is the problem with our midfield at the moment. I, I agree that he can't play alongside Heuberg, but then I think Skip... Skip should start. I would start skipping every game. My concern is along is La Celso and I'm starting to be a little bit worried about him. He just seems to make bad decisions quite a lot. He, he seems quite restrictive in his passing. He didn't have a good game in Portugal. I don't oh think God, he played so bad. I don't think he played well against Wolves and he's not someone that's coming back from a long-term injury. He did play the whole Copa. So, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to worry about La Celso. How about you Nathan? How are you feeling about the midfield? issues um <laughs> well uh yeah I mean, we, we we're playing this direct football um and it's kind of difficult because it's like if you bring in like Ndombele or Celso for Hoybia and or for Skip and then either one of Skip or Hoybia is still the deepest player that player who is like again neither of them are like absolute cloggers both of them have played games as number eight but Mm-hmm. But neither of them are like are you know Busquets, right? Neither of them are like going to mm. absolutely make the game from that position. And it's like if you bring in um, Lacelso and Dombele to be the other eight, it's like okay, sometimes they're going to come towards the play and they're going to help dictate things. But there's still going to be quite a lot of strain on the deepest midfielder. Now maybe you can run something where like the idea is that Ndombele comes in directly for skipping that role, and Hoybier remains a defensive eight, and Ndombele is the deepest midfielder who receives. Um, fr- from the centre backs and and tries to run the game from there, and then Hoybier does the defensive work in front of him. Uh, maybe that's sort of more of the idea, but they're always going to be sort of <laughs> uh, a lot asked of of our midfielders, and I don't know if like Saar is seen as necessarily an answer to that. He it's kind of hard to rate his passing because he plays for like a, a bad team, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, that's that's not until next season anyway, if, if that's going to happen. So, uh, I don't know. I think Nuno puts a, a lot on his number six, a lot defensively and a lot in possession. And um, Arzar, you know, <laughs> Winks is a good passer, I think. That's controversial, but Winks is a good passer and a bad defender. Skip and Hoivier, good defenders, not so great at passing. Not terrible, obviously, but not mm. like brilliant. So, uh, it's kind of a tricky one. Um, on the general point, though, I think that like people do assume that white academy players are, are technical and creative and skillful, and and black academy players are like runners and cloggers yeah. and everything else. So 100%. I don't think that's completely invalid. I'm sure that the skip is probably slightly over celebrated for technical ability based on based on his race because that that's always what happens. But I don't think that skip is like some like bumbling <laughs> like idiot who like can't control the ball or or, or move off the ball and stuff like that. So, so I mean, to an extent, like even with our like our most brilliant technical midfield, it's always going to be a little bit this way because that's the way that Nuno's teams play. Um, I don't know. I, I, the, the criticisms aren't unwarranted, but I do think they're harsh. Hmm. Yeah, 
I, I, the other thing to say about Skip is he's 20. It's his first season in the Premier League. Uh, we can expect some growth across the season. I certainly expect a lot of growth across the season. Uh, but so far, like, I don't see anything to be worried about. His receiving of the ball is excellent. You know, if you watch him carefully, he is so unfussy in his in his technical receiving of the ball. Sure. It's out of his feet in one or two touches maximum. And like he's releasing the ball quickly. There's a lot of first time passes going on. And that I like that a lot. I really I, th- I think that will help as the season goes on. And I certainly think it will help once the Celso is um, more established. If the Celso becomes more established again. Um, just a quick mention of Delhi because... His first touch in the box of the season results in him winning a penalty, which he then dispatches well. That was really nice to see because there has been this concern that we don't want Delhi to lose all his running beyond capabilities and to see him sort of time and run so well. And Regulon pick him out with a fantastic part, really creative pass from Regulon. was not an easy pass to see. Um, that gave me a lot of hope that Delhi can still kind of hit the box at the right time, even from this slightly deeper position. And I thought he had a very strong game. Again, Delhi, mm-hmm. really, really impressed. Lots of I, I unselfish agree. screening work. I think with the right two next to him, I think he could really he could really do something in this role. Mm. He seems, um, in all of his post-match interviews, he seems so focused as well. Like, he he just seems so intense. Uh, and that's um, I'm really pleased to see that he's just in a good place with his football right now because he's a very good player and... We need him to be. Well, he's he's got an opportunity now to establish himself as the, one of the senior pros at the club. We've lost a few older players. He's he's now like mid age for I don't know mid age for a footballer. Yeah, there's all the doubt around Kane. There's Son has clearly established himself as like the number one. He would never be like an alpha, but as the number one player. And then there's a role there for, for Delhi to step up and almost become like a de facto leader. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be um, seems to be thriving in that and long may it continue. I I had my doubts about him. We've got our charity bet. I don't know if you've mentioned it, but I'd, I would love him to, to smash those stats and, and me give, give money to, um, to charity. <laughs> yeah, we've not mentioned this yet, have we? It's, uh, um, I, I think Delhi will get 12 or more goals and assists. We're not mm. including Europa Conference League and, and Bardi does not. So one down. Well, I'm setting him a challenge. I would like him to make me pay up. Cool. Let's touch on Passos to Ferreja. Uh, Jesus Christ, what an absolutely horrendous performance. <laughs> and look, uh, it's one of those things where in retrospect, of course, it was horrendous. Um, an 11 that had never played together, probably never even played on the same team in training together, to be honest. Um, complete change. Also a new system. So... We've seen 4-3-3 throughout preseason. We have not seen um, 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1. Three new players, Galini, Ryan Hill and Romero. And lots of of, untried academy players involved as well. Scarlett starting up front, Niall John playing midfield. But for me, the biggest disappointment was that three of the established players were the three, for me, the worst three on the pitch. Uh, Matt Doherty... Harry Winks and Giovanni Lacelso, I thought were absolutely terrible. All of them terrible, um, and and that was really frustrating because, like, on a game like that where you've got Scarlett and John in the team, you've got your newbies, you need your kind of established squad players to step up, and especially when they're trying to impress the new manager and and, and kind of put a case in to make themselves first team players. But maybe passes were better than we expected, Bardi. Yeah, they were better than we expected. Um, I don't want to go in on Doherty. We can see the limitations of him and and Winks and Lacelso. I've already mentioned his shameful performance. But I'd like to just talk about Cessignon. I 
I liked he, he may have lacked a bit in, in on the final ball, but I liked his industry. I liked mm. his willingness to get forward despite the ball hardly ever getting to him. I I loved Romero's front foot way of tackling and just flying into things. I <laughs> I enjoyed that. I think once he gets his timing right and he settles in, I think that could be pretty funny to watch and quite entertaining to watch. And I, I loved um, I loved Scarlett's enthusiasm and his determination to keep going. The passes that were going into him were shameful. They were this young child making him go up against these six foot monsters as centre backs, chucking him, up, chucking the ball up into the air for him, or just lobbing it well over yeah. the top for him to chase. It was just had that been a senior pro, he would have stood there and just bad mouthed the rest of the team. But yeah. he kept going and he he worked hard and. Um, a couple of times he made the wrong decision and I didn't like how Lo Celso would blame him for his own mm-hmm. failings mm-hmm. and I thought that was I thought that was off but um, big up Scarlett what a nice guy and I, I hope some, I hope he um, I hope he really achieved something Gallini one on one you know he might as well have just not been there that was mm. that was pretty bad goalkeeping he didn't decide he didn't come and he didn't stay he kind of got stuck in this this no man's land of goalkeeping around the penalty spot and he, he made the he made the decision up for the striker yeah he offered the corner to the striker and the striker took totally. yeah. yeah I mean I thought Scarlett um, there were a couple of moments where he kind of just barged his opponent off the ball and I was really impressed with like not just the, the physicality to be able to do that because you know he's he's a he's a big lad for 17 but it's the bravery it's like mm. he, it's a, it's it's I deserve to be at this level and I'm I'm not prepared, I'm not afraid of sort of mixing it with you know adult players who might be 10 years 15 years older than me I, I really like that he's, he definitely had something um, I, I think you're right, Bardi, on Sessegnon. I've seen a lot of criticism for Sessegnon's performance, which I think is unfounded. I thought he was like the only one who showed any get up and go. In the mm-hmm. second half, at times, it felt like he was trying to grab the game by the scruff of its neck and make something yeah. happen, basically by himself and driving forward. And I was very impressed with his mentality because that was a big criticism last season or the season before last when he wasn't on loan. We were saying, well, he's a good player, but he seems a bit timid. He seems a bit shy. Yeah. We need him to show a bit more... Um, oomph and that for me that second half performance had it in spades and I thought that was why he was probably on the bench against um, against Wolves like as a reward for his his strong sh- second half showing against Passus um, and I, I hope that well, I'm, I'm thinking Nuno will probably play a slightly stronger team in the return leg but I'm hoping that he gives the majority of players a chance to redeem themselves because I think they need that they need I mean and like they need to step up they really do need to perform better be more focused more switched on um, Nathan, were you surprised that he switched the formation up for this one? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, because um, because whilst this was like possibly the most important game in years, Passos, this was a preseason friendly for us, and I think that we have to like look at that game from that angle that this was because we played Arsenal and Chelsea in pre-season and they were high intensity games and we played our strongest players and we only brought a few rotations off the bench we Mm. played at high intensity so we still needed that like more experimentation with fringe players returning from international with younger players with formation options and stuff like that and I think that's what this game was you know lose one nil bring it back home give them some senior players in the return leg and and take it that way and I, I like I didn't enjoy watching it but I just can't be too upset or have too many strong feelings about this game at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very rational. I think that's a very rational take, and I agree. I, I, they're, they're not a terrible team. Um, they were they were very disciplined in the second half. They they just got behind the ball and they stayed there. They offered nothing and they got the job done. But we should be able to comfortably beat them at home, right? You know, throw throw Harry Kane in there. <laughs> 
if he hasn't transferred by that point and um, it's a different story. Play play Bergwijn and Lucas and they will absolutely tear them to shreds, I would, I would hope. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, some of the youngsters need to be given a chance to redeem themselves. I, I'd like to see Niall John start again. I felt really sad for him being taken off at half-time, particularly as I didn't think he was particularly bad. Having said that, I've got no idea why he was playing as one of the two in the... Um, in the three four two one, like he would definitely fit in better in the midfield. That's his natural position. So he was kind of just having this floating role behind Scarlet, which I found peculiar, but whatever. Um we've not mentioned Carter Vickers, who was just I mean, he's abject, isn't he? I mean I I haven't seen defending that bad since um his name now escapes me. The who Eric was the Dyer. who was the po- no, I was talking, I was thinking about the Firefly is going to be very cross with you, Nathan. <laughs> I know, but I'm putting words in Vardy's mouth. That is my own opinion. Who was the Portuguese defender that we had back in the day? He... Eric Dyer, Ricardo Rocha, Ricardo Rocha. I haven't seen Eric Dyer. I haven't seen defending that bad since Ricardo Rocha. It was just unacceptable. And imagine Romero in between Ben Davies and Carter Vickers. Carter Vickers looked like he just stumbled upon the football pitch. He, you, you'd gone to Hyde Park and you needed a ringer to play, and he was just some chap just walking past. He was terrible, and I, I can't believe he's been at Spurs. What fifteen? years or something yes, and, a long um, time. and he keeps get, he keeps getting loans to championship sides he's a good championship player and, and the thing is like i do have some sympathy for him. he's not an awful player but he's not he's not at the level we need him to be at i mean he needs to go he needs to go but but center back is is a position where you need relationships yeah. and and it was carter vickers romero and then <laughs> ben davis at left center back you know yeah they've never played together they didn't know what one another were going to do next. It was a complete mess. The, the goal was just such a misunderstanding of what was going on. It was awful. It was really awful. You, so need, awful. A, you need a relationship between your head and your feet, though. And that's, <laughs> I think that's ultimately where it falls down. <laughs> oh, I hope Cameron's not listening. <laughs> no, There's no need for I, I mean, he is... A, what we forget is sometimes he is a... An incredible footballer. He plays for Tottenham Hotspur, and he is one. Of, he's an, we we go in on these footballers, but they are yeah. you know elite level human beings who are incredibly much better. Carter Vickers is one of the worst centre backs in the world, but he is still two thousand times better at football than I could even dream of being. Yeah. Which is which is such a sad thing to think about. But. He's also better than Pablo Mari. Mari. Oh, oh no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, a close thing. I mean, Lukaku would have absolutely destroyed Carter Vickers. At least Mari kept him to just the one goal. Lukaku would have run riot on on Carter Vickers. So let's do let's do transfers. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I think we start off by talking outgoings and and I kind of want to also touch on how how well I think um, Nuno Espiritu Santo has handled these situations. So uh, this week we got news that Tongi Anomale is looking for a way out Spurs. Um, we'd had hints at this previously, that something was, was not right and that the club were to looking to shift him. Um, and it, it, it's become it's become public now. And I, I'm really, obviously, I'm very sad about this news. I think Ndombele is one of our best midfielders, uh, one of our best players. I think there's so much upside um, and I, I don't want to speculate as to why he wants to go, but things haven't been right for him for a while. He's had a rough time at Spurs since he's he's been at the club. Um, and it's it's a, a big shame. But I think um, Nuno's handled this situation really like positively and delicately and like played it with a straight bat. And when he's been saying, you know, this isn't the right time for Ndombele to, to play, I think that's completely correct. If you've got a player who's been vocal about wanting to leave... You can't, you can't like involve them from the off. It's just not what you like. How could you? He's he's not in the right frame of mind. And um, and yeah, I, I I'm impressed with Nuno's management of this in the press conferences and whatnot. Similarly, Kane. Kane yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's in such a difficult situation with Kane because, like, he wants Harry Kane to play a part because he's one of the best strikers in the world. So you know, he includes him on the bench. But he he's done this. He's he's managed it in a way that he's not cut Kane off completely. So if if Kane ends up staying, there's still a relationship there. He can still he can still drag it back and create a positive environment for Kane and for him. And and that is very that's a kind of clever tactful piece of man management which I'm I'm really impressed by. Um, we we will talk about Kane and what we think is going to happen in this last week. But Bardi and Dombele, you've 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 been thinking for some time that things aren't right. Were you were you at all surprised when it became public? No, not at all. It's this has been on the cards now for well at least this summer that things aren't right and he's on his way out. Um, if he wasn't, he would have featured at some point during the preseason. He would have got minutes some way, no matter how, uh, no matter how like kind of lacking match fitness, we would have seen him somewhere. This is yeah. I, but the problem is, I don't see where he can go. I don't see how we can recoup any money, and I don't see any option for him. I th- he's not going to get the the transfer to, to the clubs that he wants to go to, and I don't see any kind of mid tier clubs having thirty, forty million pounds sitting around to to buy him. I yeah, I think I'm not I'm not sure how this ends. It it ends with him leaving, but somebody's going to have to take a hit here. Either we, in terms of money, or him in terms of aspirations. Mm. So we paid forty-seven million for Ndombele, rising to fifty-five um, or sixty, if you believe some reporting is either fifty-five or sixty, based on clauses. And the reporting suggests that we want over fifty for him, um, and that he wants to go to essentially Barcelona or Real Madrid or you know Bayern Munich is the, the the latest club to be linked. Nathan, do you think this gets resolved, or do you think he ends up staying? Uh, I think staying is a resolving <laughs> um, 
I think that like no one's going to pay us that much cash for him not right now. Um, but I think we are looking at like player swaps for similar sort of valuations and then money going either way depending on on who we can look for sort of very similar kind of profiles. Um, I don't think it's that likely to happen, but I think that I think part of it is like doing a big show and tell for him that we're like, oh, you want to leave? Okay, we'll do this effort. Oh, we tried it, failed. I guess you can knuckle down. <laughs> Um, so I, I suspect that he probably won't go. Um, obviously I don't want him to go, but I'm, I am frustrated with him. I, I'm f- more frustrated at the club and the handling of him, uh, and, and, and the lack of patience and stuff like that. But I am frustrated with him because he, he could be being more professional about it. He could be, um, he could have done better handling of his fitness over, over this period of time, but I have more sympathy for them than I have frustration for him. Um, I hope he sticks around. I think he's incredible. Um, and I hope that, if we manage to get a swap for him, we get a swap for a similarly brilliant player. But I don't think that there are that many similarly brilliant players, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I, ask me again when the window is closed and we'll yeah. start to think things through, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. There's just no point worrying about it or putting too much thought into it. Because what will happen will happen. We've got a week left. We'll see how it ends up. And then we go from there. Seven to ten days. <laughs> Seven to ten days. Um, Buddy, when, when Kane came on against Wolves... How are you feeling? Were you conflicted? No, not at all. Bringing Harry Kane on is always a good thing. He's the, the one of the best strikers in the world. I don't have a... Yeah, he's a snake and the rest of it, but he remains at Tottenham Hotspur and he remains a player that I want to see play and a player that can do great things for us. Um, yeah, I thought he did okay when he came on. Would you, I, want, would, I, would, I want him to stay. Would you have sung like his Harry name? Probably it's a bit different. The away fans are a bit when different. They're a different, yeah, they're a bit different breed. The away lot, so um, yeah, probably. It was fifty-fifty though, right? I mean, it seemed like a, lo- a lot of the fans were singing his name, and a lot were deliberately silent. Like I personally think I would have been one of the de- deliberately silent fans. Well, a- Alex from Bristol was there, and he he WhatsApp during the game, and he said that when Kane came out to warm up, he was pretty far away from um, the Spurs fans. Mm. I think distance. it was. It was Wolves' provocation, wasn't it? Because they started mm. singing about him, so then we took defence of him in defence of the situation and tried to throw it back on them rather than, like... If if the Wolves fans were silent and he just came on, I think it might have been a fairly different situation. And then maybe at home, um, it might be a fairly different situation. I don't know. It kind mm. of feels weird to, to be jumping to his defence right now and trying to mm. claim him and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, it's starting to look like the transfer might not happen after all. I do think this is his last chance to get this move to Man City because we know, you know, it's it's, it's no secret that there are much better prospects than Kane available next summer. Younger prospects, cheaper prospects. So this is the moment for him. He's, he's going to have to make this transfer happen or um, or we might be stuck with him for life. Um, and look, if Nathan, if he if he does end up staying straight back in the team for you, uh, there'll probably be some kind of demonstration of uh, non-existent loyalty. There'll be a, there'll be a look. I wanted the move, but I'm, I love the club, and I'm really happy to be here, and blah blah blah. And then, and then he'll start, and then he'll score, and we'll mm. forget about it completely. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I don't know. We won't forget about it completely. He has, he has tarnished his 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 legacy. Um, he'll still be appreciated, but I don't think it will ever be the same after this. I agree, completely agree. No, because because we we've, we've been through this big discovery of like we put so much on him, like we made him our talisman, and we ascribed to him this relationship that that 
once things are a bit up in the air, we start to go, well, hang on a second. He's never actually said these things that we <laughs> pretend he said, or he said very little in the way of like how he feels about the club. He said very little in terms of, I mean, we've already had this conversation, haven't we? But, um, I don't know. I, he, he, he would have to, he would have to like do some making up. He would have to win us the league <laughs> and yeah. get the badge, right? Yeah. And then, and then it's fine. And then it's just, that was just a little blip. Wasn't there a thing with Gerard where he was, or maybe it only came out yeah. after the fact where he was sort of looking yeah. elsewhere and, and then they did, they like, they devoted his half a season to him and tailed off and did the big Stephen Gerard farewell tour and, and fell apart because they were celebrating him so much. So I don't know. Maybe, um, Maybe we'll do that. I don't know. Let's hope not. Uh, I must admit, I'm getting a little nervous about the outgoing transfers. So I am. I've been quite clear that from the start of the window, I wanted our transfers out sorted asap. I wanted you know Aurier, Sissoko, and others gone asap. Get For, out take, of take my price. club. Just like get the wages off the bill, get it done, create space for new players to come in, and. It's really annoying that uh, Sissoko and Aurier have, have yet to move. Um, I hope they will, but we'll see. Um, we know that uh, it seems like Spurs have got a deal for Pape Matar or Matar Saar um, from Mets lined up. But as Nathan mentioned earlier, he's been loaned back for the year, so we won't see him until the following season. Uh, but that seems like a, a good move. Aside from that, the big news is Adama. <laughs> So I put a poll out on the Extra Inch Twitter, uh, Adama, yes or no? And uh, and the no's took it, 55% no. Um, Close. Bardi, hmm. should we sign Adama Traore? Adama Traore is my favourite player to watch that's not at my club. <laughs> he's an incredible individual. He's an incredible footballer. You, you can't defend him. If there's a football pitch behind you, that you're done. As Vertonghen said, that if there's space behind you, he, he's going to do you. And um, that's great to watch. But I'm not sure... I'm not sure I could I could watch him do what he kept doing against us for us, destroying our fullback, destroying the centre back, and then just nothing happening. I think he would be a great distraction tool. He would cause absolute chaos. I think he's an incredible substitute to bring on when people are tired. I think he offers us something, but um, I'm not sure that's something that I want or something that we need. Or it, I'd like us to play a bit more possession based, and I don't think Adama gives us that those those, those skills. Yeah, that's. I must admit, that's the concern for me. It's the what that signing means for us tactically, and I think it basically confirms our deepest fears essentially about how we mm. played this season. Um, Nathan, it's forty million pounds is is the talk. Mm. But the idea would be that we we would cr- structure it as a loan, so that we pay the forty million next season. Um, he is seen as a right winger. Mm. Um, currently have. Lucas playing on the right, but we also have Bergwijn, who we know can play on the right. Uh, Son has played on the right for us. We signed Brian Hill, who can play on the right. Do we need Adama Traore? I mean, if you're looking for right-sided width, there is no more width to give than that that is given by Adama Traore. Like, <laughs> he, will, <laughs> he will suck an entire team all the way over to him on the touchline if that's what he wants to do. So that would certainly take care of that demand. Like, he... I don't know, I, as you as you clocked on, as you alluded to earlier, I'm kind of a little bit obsessed with Adama Traore because he is, he is maybe the most unique footballer ever. He... He truly is one of a kind. In the fact that he like like dribbly wingers who don't have much end product are kind of like a dime a dozen. 
but like <laughs> he's so extreme in every regard yeah. that I can't like stop. Um, are you laughing because I said suck off or something? Did I say no, something? No, rude? no, no. <laughs> I just completely agree with you that I can't stop watching Adama Troy. Yeah. I, I can't <laughs> stop watching him and I, I really, really like him. But it just, I'm not sure those are qualities that make him a good footballer. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, okay, under, oh God, under Pochettino, people are like, should we sign a Dumbo Troyer? And I think, well, no, because what I tweeted the other day, what, what we're talking about Wolves and their new manager is that like, they are playing a Dumbo Troyer football because they have to, because that's what he does to your team, mm. right? He, you pass the ball to him, he dribbles past seven players, and then you do what you can to like, take advantage of that, that that opportunity as best you can that is the football that you play when you have a Dharma right and it's like when we played more systemic football um, when we had more of a possession model Adama would have sort of torn that up but Nuno strangely enough looking back at Wolves like Adama and Nuno are kind of a good fit right because you're mm. playing direct attacks and you're trying to, you know, make make things happen super fast with that. Well, there's a Dharmatriori. The thing with that is that, like, he did well at Wolves under Nuno. Um, he he put up sort of up towards between point two and point three expected assists um, per ninety. Um, very little in the way of goals. What's interesting, and we are working on a sample of literally two games, but under the new manager, he's playing more central and he's absolutely getting the shots off. Um, so he has um, uh, an upright, uh, uh, um, more in terms of key passes. He's putting up five shots per 90, which puts him in there with like the greatest strikers ever. Like Carrie Kane um, gets like above five when he's fit. Um and obviously he's not a great finisher. In fact, obviously he's a bad finisher, but like there comes a point just in talking to pure numbers here where like just putting up the raw shots and getting the chance to sky them, half of them, you're still going to like create a lot for yourself. And it's like <laughs> the, 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 the more dangerous a position he's doing those dribbles. Like he literally. <laughs> <laughs> he's one-on-one -on -one with Hugo Lloris he's the greatest one-on-one -on -one player ever <laughs> he shoots right it's like uh, like you can get him into situations and, and I feel like that we talking about Nuno we're talking about what our plans of him we're not going to do this but maybe we will start to clock on that like he could he literally un, uh, in a way that is in no way similar to any other footballer ever he could dribble it into the goal he yeah. really could dribble it into the goal and I think that that is something that like that there's an upside there that's unexplored obviously there's the upside of like what if you take this like ridiculous athlete and put him into a team where there's Kane and their son to take advantage of the space that he creates good yes okay that makes sense that's a reasonable argument 40 millions may be a bit much for that kind of risk we just want Brian Hill we have Lucas we have Bergvine why do we need 12 wingers at the club at all times I'm not sure but there's also this like what if we tried to, we did that but also we tried some other things what if we looked at like Adama Traore is what he is which is like a total outside of football enigma and and stop looking at it as like hell he can dribble it down the wing and cross it in like wingers do what if we start to look at him as more of an an innovation as a, as an outlier and stop trying to like put him into an existing football box and start saying what can we do that is different <laughs> to what everyone else is doing with this footballer who is different to every other footballer and just 
just get him to run at centre-backs again and again and again and again. And he'll probably win a lot of penalties, except that the fouls won't be given because you grab onto a drama triore and you grab him by the arm and he's covered in baby oil and you dislocate his shoulder because he has a shoulder <laughs> dislocation issue, but he carries on running and the ref doesn't give a penalty. Anyway, that's beside the point. I think that like there's this unexplored upside with the Dermatrore, and I think that Nuno has failed to take advantage of it so far. Um, yeah. But I would be really interested because I think that there's <laughs> there's a big, big unknown with the Dermatrore that is really clearly fascinating to me. Um, or we could just put him on the right and he can provide width and do bad crosses a uh, hundred times a game. Nathan, you've just, at the very end of that, that very... Um eloquent soliloquy you you've said the point that i was going to make which is if it were a different manager i think the 40 million risk would be a lot more sort of acceptable but it's nuno he's already had him for a long period of time he's already had an opportunity to try things with him he's already tried to to do different things play him in different positions and he's not got much out of him so i would have serious doubts about whether he can get much more of a tune out of him at Spurs, even with better players. He got nine assists in the nineteen twenty season. Yeah, so I had to look at the expected numbers for the nineteen twenty season and his numbers, expected assists and goals per ninety, are marginally better than Bergwein, Lamella and Lucas's numbers. Marginally better. Right, but he's obviously doing more on top of that. Like he's doing the other bits as well. Like he's putting up like okay squad number like goals and assists and he is creating an entirely different game with his ability to draw the entire opposition towards him all times. Sure, but is he doing the defensive work that Lucas and Lamella, for example, do as well? Like, they do other things. Bergwijn does other stuff as well. Um, in 2021, his numbers were slightly worse than all of our players. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I think like there is potential for someone to get hold of Adama and turn him into something better than what he is. But at this point in his career, I'd be really, really surprised if it's Nuno Espirito Santo. And I, I also just think that 40 million, when times are tight, is better spent elsewhere. And and frankly, if we're going to buy someone's pound the right, buy Noni Madueke, whose upside is, I think, even higher than Adama's. I, I think Madueke is going to be a star Get sure. him in now while he's uh, affordable. Uh, but like personally, I'm using that money to to make the central midfield work. If Ndombele is leaving, I'm using it to buy a a top draw right back. I'm using it to buy a partner for Romero, and I'm just accepting that Lucas is our right winger for the season and rotating him with Bergwijn and Heel and whoever else. I I agree. From a squad building point of view, I agree. I think that that money is better placed generally improving the squad in the areas that it needs improving um but from a tactical point of view i'm kind of in a like yeah you know screw it let's just let's just throw the dice and 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 try the the adama thing so i'm i'm, I'm kind of happy either way it would be I, really fun to watch him play for us i think this is a proper dice roll we've got to the final week of the transfer window we're not gonna we're not gonna go out and buy a right back we're not gonna go out and buy a center midfielder that's gonna change the style of play if if we're going to do a counter attack, I'd rather Adama was was tearing up the pitch than Lucas, and I think it's I think it's come down to that. <laughs> that is to the that thing. Simple fact. We do have Lucas, who is like is like less than Adama. He's like half an Adama in every regard. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the one time Lucas <laughs> seems to have had a really good preseason, had a great first game against Man City, he seems to have established himself. Then the rumours are we're trying to sign a player to replace him, who basically does what he does but better. Poor old Lucas. 
Uh, Trayton says, with Romero, Hill, and perhaps Saar joining the club this window, how do you all rate the age profile of this squad? What are the odds that a couple of seasons from now will look at this window as the first step in a major youth movement? And I thought this was an interesting question, actually. We've we've moved on some of the older players, Adverald and Joe Hart being the uh, the really obvious ones, and we're expecting also Sissoko uh, to leave, which will bring down the age profile yet yet again. Luis, you'd think, would only have one or two more years max at Spurs, and it does seem like we're kind of bringing the age profile down, which is... Um, it was becoming an area of concern under Mourinho. Desperately uh, needed. Yeah, you, you think that's something that's that's crucial, Nathan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the thing is that, like, we we had this young young squad before. It it got older, and then Mourinho came in and sort of did this like buying players for now thing. He did this mm-hmm. like we, under him. We did this, you know, loaning in old man Bale, bringing in you know post peak Doherty, that kind of stuff to be like. Let's go and win the league this year. And <laughs> obviously that didn't happen. Um, what would have been better long term squad building would have been to buy younger players then, but that wasn't the focus at the time. We, 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 you know, we talked about it obviously a lot of the time, but this idea that like we, we had this really good squad. We just needed that little final push for the, for the big trophy. That isn't where we, that isn't where we were. So yes, um, we need to buy young players this summer. We need to buy young players next summer. We need to buy young players the summer after that. Uh, we need to not sign like Sissoko onto a contract extension in 2019 mm. and that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's been some weird squad building decisions um, over the last few years, but whatever. It does. Um, it does kind of smell of that kind of Frank Arneson, Martin Yole early era where we just went out and we signed Carrick, Dawson, mm-hmm. Lennon, Huddleston, all in the same kind of couple of windows, and just got rid of a few older players like booted out Dean Richards, Jamie Redknapp, and the rest of them. So I, I do get that kind of vibes from from uh, Paratici and the rest of them. Yeah, and I'm definitely getting the vibe that they're more willing to use youth players to fill out the squad than um, than late Pochettino and Mourinho. And I think that's the right thing to do as well. Like, Niall John, I think, could absolutely be a squad player over the next few seasons. We know Skip will be. Um, and there are others as well. You know, we've seen Maxim Pascocci come from nowhere and suddenly become someone who's who's getting games for our first team. Um and there are others too, you know, there's, there's, there's some good young players there and that's the right thing to do, to use them as the squad fodder and not sign Muta Sissoko, basically, or Matt Doherty. Um, let's end with this one from Matt Smith, who says, Having watched the Romero analysis finally, I'm slightly less concerned about the passing ability of the Romero than I was, but do you think the fact that he may not be brilliant is a massively limiting factor in the potential for a Romero-Sanchez partnership? Yes. So... Yeah, this is an issue, isn't it? So, San- Buddy, you're you're all in on the uh, Romanchez, as you're calling it. Uh, yep. But Sanchez has, I would say, quite major limitations on the ball. He's a he's not a good he's not a good footballer. He's a he's a he's a defender. He's a, a real defender's defender. Like he wants to be up against the player and have personal battles with them. He's not good when he's got the ball at his feet. And it seems like Romero is much the same. He's quite a sort of rough and ready player perhaps can do a bit more than Sanchez, perhaps bring it forward into midfield more than Sanchez, but he's not someone that's going to play out of his breaking passes, which to be honest with this setup, we kind of need. Yes, that's it. Any concerns, Bardi? Um, no. Yes and no. Of course I'm concerned, but uh, I mean, it would be useful if he could whack a ball 40 yards straight into someone's head. That would be really very useful. Of course it would. But uh, 
I don't think it really matters at the moment how we how we've set up. He he's a good defender. Sanchez is a good defender, and Sanchez doesn't go tearing into midfield and try and take on Ruben Neves and and when he's the last man. So I think Sanchez is a bit more conservative than Dyer, which is probably why I think he'll work quite nicely with um with the the wonderful Romero, who I, I'm, I totally love. <laughs> I do wonder if that was why we were linked with Connor Cody, though. I mean, Cody is not the best player, really not, but he has got a pass. And, and like our tactics seem to demand the ability to sort of release the wide players with uh, quick balls over the top. Um, yeah, we'll see how how the centre back situation works out. I'm still not convinced that Sanchez is uh, is a long term option for us. I, I think we've seen enough of Sanchez now to know that he's never going to be an elite centre back. Of course, I don't think that of Dyer either. I think they're both fine, but nothing special. It's difficult to get a handle on, on the Roden situation right now because he's been injured. So we've not got a feel for how where he falls in the pecking order. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think that we get to see some Roden and Romero at some point. And then, of course, you've got Tanganga, who uh, has been playing right back, but is a potential centre-back option too. So we shall see.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.